want to kind of say something before we get into it as well. It's, it's obviously very masculine. So he talks about sort of fathers, young men, and children. So at one point when I was preparing this, I thought, I want this to be sort of inclusive, but I thought if I'm trying to sort of kind of jump around between daughters, mothers, and I'm going to get really confused. So for the ladies in the room, don't count yourself out. I'm going to sort of kind of use the wording that's in there, but this is for all of us. Okay? Is that okay? Okay, so um, I'm going to read the passage out and then we'll start to break it down and see what John's actually sort of talking about here, what he's, what he's explaining to us, what he's sort of instructing us. Um, so I'm writing to you, I'm reading from the ESV by the way, um, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him, it was from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you children because you know the Father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So what kind of struck me here was Graham sort of touched on this last week and he said kind of John kind of writes differently to Paul that Paul tends to sort of kind of start with something and he builds a case and an argument to exactly where he wants it to land. Whereas John seems to talk around stuff. And at a first glance, it kind of, it kind of pickled my head a little bit when I started to read this. Because I thought, is he saying the same thing twice here? It looks like he's actually repeating himself. And it's sort of written, written almost like a kind of poetic way. Um, but he is saying different things at different points in this verse. And that's what I want to kind of break down today. So, in the ESV, I think it's different in the NIV, I think it just says, um, I have written, or something like that, but in the ESV, it starts off by saying, I am writing. The first three bits, I am writing to you children, I am writing to you young men, I am writing to you fathers. So that I am writing, what's interesting here is that he's actually sharing his perspective on how he sees it. So it's literally like, I'm writing this because this is what I see in you. Mm. So you can see that what he's actually doing is he's actually fathering these people. Yeah. He's affirming them. And, and that may be the case because if you think about it, the church was quite a young church at this point as well. And if some of these false teachings or Gnosticism and other things were coming in, it may have been that people were doubting their salvation. Mm. They were doubting what was true. They were doubting what they'd been taught. So I think this is really interesting that John's not, he's, he's coming in and saying, look, this is how I see you. This is, you know, really sort of affirming them. These are the truths. Um, this, is, this is what I need you to know. This is how I want you to see it. That I have written bit um, anticipates the reader's perspective when they receive the letter. So it would be a little bit like, if you've got that letter, you'd be like, oh, okay, he's written to me because, um, because of my position, because, because I am a young person, because I'm a child of God, because I am um, yeah, a young man, because I am a father. Does that make sense? It took me a little while to kind of get my head around that, if I'm honest. Um, so yeah, so, uh, just catching up on where I am on my notes. Yeah, so what I want to do is sort of kind of journey through this passage a little bit today is just look at these different areas and look at what John's actually referring to when he's talking about children, young men and fathers. 
Um, so as I said earlier, if you look at the language and the way John writes, it's the language of relationship. Uh, it's the language of family, and I want to unpack that a little bit as well. What does it look? What does what does this church family look like that he's actually writing to? Um, so, and the interesting thing here is, is that John's making clear distinctions within the church, isn't he? He's not just writing to everybody. He's making clear distinctions: children or young people, young men and fathers. Um, and this isn't specifically relating to age. It's, not, it's, it's explaining that there are three stages of spiritual growth and three stages of spiritual maturity. I think it's important, <laughs> it's important that we, we kind of remember that, I think, as we sort of kind of do family together. Um, so within this as well, this is, you know, you think about the TARDIS bit. So within this, I thought, this is where you've got, there's also sort of two kinds of children here. So he's right with all children, aren't we? You know, if you know Christ, if you've given your life, if you know Christ, if you've accepted that Jesus died for you, um, that you're a sinner, that Jesus has paid the price for you, you're a child of God. Yeah? So we're all children, but they're sort of children within children, if that makes sense. So there's sort of kind of layers to this. Um, yeah, so I just want to kind of break that down a little bit as well, look at these two types of children. So we're John saying children. This means Christians and followers of, of Christ. So children of God. So there are two families in this world, really. Those that are part of God's family and those that are not. Um, and those of us that have accepted Jesus, paid the penalty for our sins, and put our faith in Jesus, have been adopted into that family. So we're now part of God's family. Um, and so that's kind of what John's referring to, I think, when he's talking to children, yeah, children as, as a whole, all of us. Um, yeah, I came across this quote of C.S. Lewis as well while I was looking into this a little bit about kind of like you think about the family, what we've actually been invited into. So they kind of you know being a part of God's family. And this C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis wrote this: All sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement, "God is love," but they seem not to notice that the words "God is love." have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Sorry, what's my place here? One person, sorry, just let me catch up and get confused on my pages. Um, so love is something that one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. So what Lewis is referring to here um, is that there was a love within the Trinity. There was a love between the Father and the Son before anything was even created. And, and this kind of, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I thought, wow, look at, what, look at what we're actually sort of kind of adopted into. A love, a, a kind of, a love that was there before anything was even created. Um, it just made me think about, I don't know how deep this really goes. <laughs> um, and John 17, 24 says this, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So you can see that there was this love there before anything. And, and I just, I, I don't know, I had to kind of stop and pause when I kind of realised that a little bit and thought, I haven't really thought about how depth, how, how sort of deep the love of God really goes. I don't think we'll ever fully understand it whilst we're here on this planet. Um, 
But yeah, but that's what we've got access to through Jesus. Um, so is this sort of kind of children of God? Um, there's this sort of kind of generic family, and that's what is at the heart of this family. It's love. It's love. Um, so what I want to kind of look at now is these other sort of areas of what it, of children, what he's, John's sort of referring to. Um, and looking at these sort of three stages from a perspective of sort of spiritual growth. Um, because I think it's something that we don't often we don't often think about. I think sometimes we don't ask, often ask where we are. I was asking myself this question. Do I fit in child? Do I fit in young man? I still think I want to be a young man, but... <laughs> do I fit in young man? Do I fit in father? And sometimes we kind of jump around in these a little bit, don't we? Don't we? It's not like they're not destinations that it's just like bang, land and father. Because sometimes things kick off in life and I can still feel like a little child at times. So it's not, but, but it's like we should be spending, as we journey through this, we should be spending perhaps more time in, in the area of father and less time in child. But it's not like it's this destination, bang, I land at father and that's it. Everything's kind of sorted. That makes sense. I'm kind of looking around, I'm, when I'm normally talking to people, it's normally doing group work at work, and I'm normally getting kind of two-way stuff, so I always feel like, kind of, are people getting me? Or, uh, okay, so, little children. Um, this is referring to new believers, and if you look at the first line, I'm writing to you little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. That's all he's saying about them. Your sins are It may be that that's all they know at this point. They might not know a great deal about, you know, the Father, Scripture, understanding what it is to be a Christian at this stage. So it's kind of like, you know, they're fresh through the door, if that makes sense. Um, so that's all John's reminding them of. And I think what's really interesting here is, and what I noticed is, how he's not placing too much on them at this stage. You know, they're, they're children, they're young believers. Um, it may be that they know little else about the Lord other than their knowledge might be no more than recognising I'm a sinner, I can't save myself and Jesus paid my debt. That might be the stage in which they're at. He's talking about new believers. Um, and that could be somebody who's 80 years of age but became a Christian yesterday. You know, that, that's, that's the sort of the stage he's referring to here. Um, so looking at some of the characteristics of what that would look like. So thinking about at this stage, there's sort of some regeneration of the heart began to take place. Um, they might start to see things differently. We would expect that there'll be a new awareness to sin as the Holy Spirit begins to work in their hearts, giving them a new conscience. There'll be a desire to know more of God um, as God starts to change the desires of their hearts. So it's sort of kind of early stage in the family in one sense. The amazing thing here is, um, is that if you think about it, if, if um, pick on my father-in-law, it seems to be pick on father-in-law all day, so Gary, you're going to get it now. So Gary, how long have you been a Christian? Uh, Gary, 45, 45 years. So Gary's been a Christian for 45 years. Um, so the amazing thing is, if Gary went outside today and told somebody about Jesus and they become a Christian today, I hope you know, this is done, but if they both passed away tomorrow, if they both went to glory tomorrow, the, the amazing thing here is, um, is that they've both done the same thing to get into heaven. So Gary might have contributed more to the, 
to the, to the kingdom on earth. But the thing that gets them there is just that belief in Jesus. Sorry, Gary. Yeah. And, and the amazing thing with that is, is so, you know, it's just believing that, that, that gets us into, the, you know, we enter into that family and, and the believer of 50 years and the believer of one day, the believer of 50 years has contributed no more to their salvation than the believer of one day. Yeah. They may have contributed more to the, to the kingdom on, on earth, but for, for their actual salvation, they've contributed no more. Yeah. Um, because if they had contributed more to their salvation, then we'd be talking about works. I just thought that's, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? So even though within this family we've got these fathers and we've got these young people, but the thing that gets us saved, it's the same for all of us. Yeah, so then I kind of thought about, okay, so when he's talking about young children, or I think in the NIV it says dear children. So when he's talking about children, it made me think about what are the characteristics of children? And um, I thought, you know, kind of looking at children, I thought that they're excitable. They need security, don't they? They need consistency. They need boundaries. They need love. They need safety. And they need to be taught. And, and they're also vulnerable. You know, I think that this, this stage in the Christian journey for the young believer, if you think about it when you first became a Christian, there's kind of like, you know, you can feel really on fire, there's lots of excitement, you can feel sort of, you know, lots of feelings, can't you? You know, we can be really exciting and enthusiastic and, you know, we want to change the world and we want to do so much. And, um, but I think it's a really sort of kind of um, precarious stage as well. And I think that's what John's sort of, otherwise why would we need fathers? Why would we need fathers? So I think that's what John's sort of kind of, sort of affirming the young children here, that you know, your sins are forgiven, but they still need help. They still need help. And they need fathering and they need discipling. They're not deep-rooted at this stage. Um, so, what this made me kind of think about is how have we kind of done that traditionally in church or what does that look like at times? And um, I kind of think something to consider here is it's kind of, you know, the Western world and society in which we live in a little bit as well. And everything today, I think, you know, particularly in the Western world, is desired instantly. So I looked at this myself and I thought, well, when I click on Amazon Prime and I order something and they say four days, Four days? <laughs> what? I'm paying for Prime, I want it tomorrow. <laughs> Today. But can you see? And then what happens when we, you know, kind of, yeah, I just thought, you know, it's just when we phone for a takeaway and they say the delivery's going to be an hour. An hour? I don't want to wait an hour, I want it now. And just, you know, we live in this society where everything is instant right now. Everything is instant and everything is desired straight away. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah, I made some other examples, but I won't go into that because I think you can see where I'm coming from. But we live in this world that everything's desired instantly, and we're living our lives at this crazy fast pace, and we want everything now, and we don't want to wait for it. And I think the church is brought into that a little bit, or certain, certain sort of kind of branches of the church. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit of what I mean about that. So. I think there's a message almost that these stages don't even exist. That, you know, 
you get saved and God's going to give you this almighty download. Um, and, and that's not true because if that was the case, sanctification wouldn't exist either. And what I mean about that is that I think, sadly, a lot of modern churches, certain branches of Christianity can convey a message of accept Jesus died for you and your life will be great. You'll be sorted from this point on. You'll have an abundance of blessing and God's going to sort everything out for you in this life. And I think this is a really sort of dangerous message for the young believer. Um, I, I don't think that's good fathering, if I'm honest, um, because I don't think that's wise and I don't think that's true. And I think it sets it sets false expectations that later lead to dis, lead to sort of disappointment when yeah. perhaps doesn't pan out that way. Um, so yeah, so for the false for the, for the young believer, this can lead to false expectations and disappointment when life continues to be hard. And what's interesting today is we talk, we hear people talking about fighting battles. And that, that, that's what our Christian walk is going to be about as well. It's not just going to be laid out on a plate for us, is it? Um, yeah, so, you know, this can lead to false expectations and disappointment when life continues to be hard, uh, when struggles with sin continue, when we still experience loss, failure, rejection, the stuff that this world throws at us. Um, and how many young Christians have we, have we seen tragically fall away because of these false expectations and when the Christian life didn't play out how they were told it would? So I think it's a responsibility on, 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 on us as fathers and, and how we actually kind of convey the gospel message, that we do it in a way that's realistic. We're not just trying to sell something to get somebody through the door. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that when I move on to the, the bit on fathers in a, in a bit. Um, yeah, so I think for the young Christian, for the, for the children in that sense, um, when it doesn't pan out that way, if that's the message, if that's how you receive the gospel, and if it doesn't pan out that way that you know, life is, is now easy, that it's just full of blessing, no struggle, um, I think it's easy to conclude that I must be doing something wrong. I know in my journey I've experienced that, uh, or God's holding out on me, or I'm, you know, all these other Christians seem to be doing it better than I am. Um, and, and I think for, for myself, that's one of the tragedies of the, of the prosperity gospel, really, is that what it, that's what it kind of creates. It's almost like a, a, a superficial message creates a superficial faith. And then when, when, when challenges and when difficulties and when struggles do happen, it's almost like, you know, we, we don't have the strength to stand. We weren't prepared for it because we were told it wouldn't happen in the first place. Yeah. Does that make, make sense? <laughs> okay. The other thing, I, I sort of listened to a message recently as well by uh, Paul Washer, don't worry Graham, it's a safe one. Um, and, and he was talking about, he was talking about this as well, about young, young Christians. And, and what he said was, um, and it really resonated with me as well, he said one of the, one of the mistakes that, or, the, or the, the traps that new believers fall into is a trap of expecting the repentance of a mature believer. So almost like I kind of give my life to Jesus and, and at that point, you know, I've got this, this, this almost this expectation that I've got a perfect repentance. And, and we know that doesn't happen. We know that, you know, at that first step of becoming a Christian, it might be that, you know, my old life's over here 
and, and there's this sort of new new life over here that God's sort of kind of got really good stuff for me and, and you know I'm kind of looking at my sinful life over here and it's kind of like I'm, I'm ambivalent I'm in two minds here I'm kind of working that out and, and what Paul Washer was talking about is that sometimes we kind of say to people none of that matters anymore it's just all this now and it sets them up for a, a fall in a way it kind of creates this that they're looking at people that have walked with God for 40 years and expecting expecting their, their walk or their repentance to instantly look like that person and we know that isn't how it works out this is a journey and there are stages to this journey and that's what John's talking about here he's, he's, he's talking about three specific stages the other thing that I thought about this as well is that I think sometimes there can be desire, uh, desire, going back to what I was saying about things being desired instantly, there can be a, a kind of a, a desire to sort of rush these stages as well. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I don't, I don't see that happening a lot. I think God can do things instantly in people's lives, and he does do things instantly. But a lot of the time, when we look at people like Joseph, Paul, David, Moses, God does some real work on them, doesn't he? God goes to town on their hearts, really when you think about it. And how does he do that? He doesn't just do everything for them. He doesn't do everything for them. If you think of just Paul himself, you know, kind of shipwrecked, bitten by vipers, beaten, imprisoned, all manner of stuff that he actually goes through. And that's all part of God's plan for him. That's all part of God shaping his character. There's a book um, called A Tale of Three Kings. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic book and it's called, uh, I can't remember the author, it's Tale of Three Kings, A Study in Brokenness. And it's the, it's written as a play and it's the story of David, Absalom and Saul. And there's this, there's this chapter in this book and I absolutely love it because I think this this is what, this is how God works. This is this is, this is is the reality of the Christian walk. And he, said, he talks about David and how before David was going to be king, that God had to do surgery on his heart. And it was a surgery that nearly killed him and he used Saul to do the surgery. So he killed the Saul in David's heart by the experience that David had with Saul. And you think to yourself, you know, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> but that's how he plays out. That's how it plays out. And we don't get strength without struggle. So if we're moving from this stage of children to young men, who John's talking about being strong, how does that happen without challenge? How do you know you're strong unless you're tested? So, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's really important that we don't rush young, young Christians. We don't place too much on them and we actually father them and we disciple them. And I think that what I'm so excited about with this church is that we have an opportunity to get this right. We have an opportunity to grow this as, as we grow. And that really excites me because I don't think it's always, it's always done right. All of us would have stories or tales where perhaps this hasn't, that hasn't worked out um, right. Where we may have had too much stuff placed upon us, too much expectation that we weren't ready for. And that can be pretty crushing. And I think it's interesting here, John's not doing that. He's just telling them, at this stage, know that you're forgiven. That's, what, that's enough for now. The rest will come. The rest will come. I had the pleasure this summer to, I've, uh, I learned to kayak sort of 25 years ago. I was, in, I was in drug rehab at the time. 
uh, and a, a, a friend of mine now, but a guy sort of fathered me through that experience. I wanted to learn to kayak and he spent time with me and he nurtured me and he taught me and, and he showed me how to kayak. And, oh, and it's something I've loved for 25 years. And I had the privilege this year of teaching my kids, Isaac and Abby, how to kayak. So we went on holiday in Wales for two weeks um, and um, I bought uh, a couple of nice sit-on-top kayaks for them. Uh, we went out to Bar Lake in Aberdovey and we had a, we had a great time. Um, but the reason I'm talking about this is as well is it's about, it's about stages. It's not about, it's about not placing too much on them. So the first, one of the first things we did was we went in Bala Lake, we found this lovely little harbour and we sort of twiddled around a little bit in a place that was probably no more than five feet deep. And once they got the basic strokes, the next thing I said is, right, you just need to bail off. <laughs> you just need to fall out this kayak. But we did it in an area that was about four foot deep. And so what, what I did was I taught them how to fall off a kayak, how to flip it back over, how to get back in the kayak in water that was sort of four foot deep. I didn't do it in the middle of the lake. But what I needed them to know is if they're in the middle of the lake and something goes wrong, that they've got what it takes. Can, can you see that? So I think that's the way we need to approach young Christians, really. You know, that we actually, we're patient with them, but we prepare them for struggle, but we don't throw them straight into it. Yeah. Because what, what do you, what can you, what do you, can, what do you conclude if that's the case? If you're consistently thrown into deep, the deep end, you just conclude that you don't have what it takes. <laughs> it, you know, it just it just conveys a message that, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not cutting it to you. Um, the other thing I thought, that, uh, the other thing I thought that when when I was sort of looking at this is as well. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but. I've heard this said so many times and I've kind of never quite sat comfortably with me. And it's this saying that, um, you know, that there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. And usually when that message, and, and that's true, there isn't such a thing as a, as a junior Holy Spirit. Um, when I've heard that message conveyed, a lot of the time it's been to young Christians or young people, and the message behind it is, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit, so therefore you can kind of achieve and do anything. That's the kind of the message that's behind that. And it's true, there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit, but there is such a thing as a junior Christian. Yeah. And that's what John's talking about here. If there's no such thing as a, a junior Christian, these stages wouldn't be these stages wouldn't be there. You would just be talking to all of us as one as one family, not these sort of subcategories within the family. So I want to just kind of, before I move on to the next stage of this, I just want to talk to us as, as fathers, as mothers, that you know, we have a responsibility to sort of look after those young Christians. We have a responsibility to encourage them and the children of the church. Um, and we, we, need to be, we need them to be bold. We, need them, we don't want to be holding them back either, but we need them to be bold. We need you know, to encourage them to pray for others, to tell people about Jesus, absolutely. But let's not place too much on them. We need to be kind, honest, and realistic with our expectations of them, um, and then they can grow and mature. Not forcing that process, because you know, it might be that you know, me as a dad, you know, sometimes with my own children, I, I don't want to wait for stuff to happen, <laughs> you know. Um, but it doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't. And if I put too much pressure on them, it's not going to be helpful for them. And 
for sort of kind of young Christians, really, I want to kind of offer a little bit of encouragement for you. Um, and I want to sort of make a bit of an appeal to you, really, partly through some of my own mistakes. Um, and I want to encourage you to just always be teachable. Just be teachable. I talk to Isaac about this all the time, that just, you know, oh, it's so important to be teachable. It's really, you know, it's, it's difficult when we get into that place where it doesn't help us when we get into that place where it's kind of, yeah, I kind of know it all, I've got it all. So just in our own hearts, no matter what stage you are in this as well, whether you're a son, uh, sorry, a child, young person or father, just be teachable. Uh, be mindful of pride and attitude of I'm sorted now. And, and really get to know the word. Um, I must admit in my own Christian journey, I didn't do that much in my, in my early years. Um, I have to take responsibility for that, but I think part of that might have been the way I was, I, I was sort of kind of churched at the time in one sense, that I, I really didn't feel like I perhaps needed to a great deal, because the message was, you're sorted now. Even though on the inside I knew I wasn't. And I want to kind of encourage, sort of kind of, if you're in that, if you recognise that you're in that category of of a young person um, to kind of sort of sort of kind of seek out spiritual fathers, pray for a spiritual father, pray for spiritual mothers. They're so important to our journey. We're not designed to walk out this Christian life alone. And and, and these current co- these current COVID situations, I think they're making it really difficult. I'm getting so frustrated at times because it just goes against my very nature because I just love being with people. And you know, I think. Yeah, so just for, for young Christians, I'd say it's really important to just connect, have that sort of spiritual father, spiritual spiritual mother, but it's important not to look anywhere for that. Um, I think sometimes through our, desperation, through our desperation, we can kind of look to the wrong person, the wrong ministry for that. Um, particularly if we've had sort of kind of maybe some bad experiences, or we may do the opposite. We may kind of go into that, you know, kind of hardness and make that sort of vow that I'm never going to kind of allow myself to get kind of hurt again if we've, if we've experienced hurt at the, the hands of, of fathers as well. Um, but God's a provider. And I know in my own personal life, um, God has provided me with spiritual fathers at times where I've really needed it. Um, people that have fathered me through my 25 years as a Christian, um, I think ultimately, you know, our eyes need to be cast on him primarily as our father, but I think he does provide people to help us with that too. Um, otherwise, again, John wouldn't be mentioning fathers in this, in this letter. And I kind of thought, you know, kind of just as a bit of an encouragement, if you're at that stage as, as, a, as a young Christian really, um, kind of what to look for as well. So a sign of a true spiritual father is that when you're in their presence, you'll, free, you'll feel free and safe to be yourself. Um, you might not agree if they challenge you or put boundaries in place, but you'll know the heart behind it. And I always remember when I was, uh, the first kind of group of Christians I came into contact with, I talked about this last time, was, was when I was in Riyadh. And, um, you know, I'd come from an environment where you didn't trust anybody. You just didn't, you, didn't, you couldn't. If you trusted someone, they'd have you over. And that was the environment I'd come, come from. So in that environment, I, that, you know, I, I came across Christian men who, who fathered me. It took me a little bit of time to sort of kind of trust them. 
But once I did, and once I let them in, and once I, I knew that this, this, this one particular gentleman, he used to be a major in the army, so when you think I've come from an area of no boundaries to an area where now I'm being sort of fathered by somebody that is used to sort of kind of overseeing 200 men in Falklands, it's kind of a bit of a contrast to really. Um, but he didn't always give me what I wanted. He was sort of firm at times. And, but the, the, thing, the thing I always recognised in him was that I could accept that, I could work with that. And the reason I could do that was because I knew it was for me, not him. I knew what the heart behind it was. So it wasn't for him that he was just trying to control. Does that make sense? So, you know, the heart, I knew the heart behind So I was prepared to go with the boundaries, the discipline and stuff like that. Because that's what we need as children. Um, so yeah, spiritual fathers, they'll put boundaries in place, uh, but you'll know the heart behind it. Um, you won't feel controlled or manipulated, and you won't feel pressured to be something or do something you're not. If you look at here, what John's doing is, he's fathering these people, but he's not telling them to be or do anything that, that, that they're not already. He's just affirming what he knows that they are. Um, and I, one of the things I always think about when I know that I've spent time with a good spiritual father in that sense or, or, or a relationship is that I always come away feeling nourished. Yeah. I always come away feeling like, you know what, I can't wait to spend time with that person again. Yeah. That I feel edified. I don't come away feeling like, crikey, next time I see that person, I'm not sure how it's going to go. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I think for the for the young people, young Christians, I think just 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 have wisdom as well about who you go to, the ministries you go to, the you know the people that you you choose to, to kind of father you in that sense. I'm always a little bit weary when somebody kind of almost kind of forces themselves upon me as a father. <laughs> if that makes sense, I kind of think, well, if this is for me or you. It might just be the suspicious me and me that's still some of that stuff from my past life, I don't know. <laughs> so, is that, that okay? Can I, can, I want to kind of move on to the bit about young men now, if that's okay. Um, so, here what John is saying is, um, so he's saying, young men, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So again, it's almost like he's repeating himself, but I think part of that is, the message is slightly different, but I think part of that is, he, again, he's trying to affirm something here. Um, so John is recognizing and affirming the young men of the church. And, and one of the things he's acknowledging is that they've won some battles. They're not at that kind of, that, that young children stage anymore, where all they know is that they're forgiven. Um, he's saying they're strong, he's saying they, you know, he's indicating that they've won some battles at this stage. And they're a bit further into the journey. And they have a greater knowledge of God because it's saying the word of God abides in them. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen by accident. I think with myself, I kind of just, if I look back at my own personal journey, I think, do you know what, I, I do wish I'd have kind of studied the word more as an earlier Christian, that it abided in me more, would have saved me perhaps some, some, some struggles along the way. So yeah, so young men, so you can see there's this transition. Um, and, and, and what John is saying here is um, that you're strong. How does he know that? Again, it sort of affirms the idea here that John's really familiar with this group of people. 
Because how does he know they're strong? I can only think that he must have witnessed some of the battles that they fought, some of the struggles that they've had, he's seen them overcome. Because you don't know something's strong unless it's tested, like I said before. Um, I think the really important thing here is, and I kind of think about myself in this stage, um, you know, when you think about the characteristics of young men, um, I don't know, I look at myself and I think, you know, kind of, I'm a little bit wiser now, but I can still be this way at times as well, where, you know, we can be rash and we just want to storm the field a little bit. You know, it's kind of like I've got some strength behind me now, but the easy thing to do there is just to sort of go on to a bit of what Pickle was saying before, rely on your own strength. Does that, does that make sense? What we still need to be doing here as young men, if this is where you see yourself, or a young woman, or young, sorry, sorry, yeah, young men, but middle bit of the Christian journey in that sense. If that's where you are, I think it's, we still need fathers. Sometimes we still need people to say, just hold on a sec here. Let's just slow down, um, because it's easy to get carried away with ourselves. And I think it's a really interesting stage where we can get caught up in a bit of pride as well. You know, I've won some battles. We see that in David. I've won some battles. Look at me. Look at what I've done. And God kind of you know, had to had to kind of address that with him. And um, yeah, and sometimes at this stage, we, we need people. We still need fathers. Um, yeah, they may be strong, but there's still a lot to learn. And. Um, So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend too much time looking at that, and I'm going to move on to this next, this next sort of kind of bit where he's talking about fathers. Um, so what John's saying here is, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. And that resonates a little bit with, with John's gospel, doesn't it, at the beginning as well, where John's talking about, you know, in the beginning. Um, but if you think about that, what John's actually saying, saying to the fathers here is um, that I have written to you because you know him who has been from the beginning. He's talking about a deeper knowledge here. He's talking about people that have been around the block a bit, <laughs> in that sense. They've, 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 um, they're further down the line. They have a deeper understanding of Scripture. They have a deeper knowledge of God. These are the people that they don't just know they're forgiven. That they know the sort of the more of the intimate ways of God. They know the nature of God, um, and again, that doesn't happen by accident. But, you know, we have to work at that. We have to spend time reading His Word. We have to spend time in prayer with Him. And this led me to sort of kind of think a little bit about, you know, I'm a father. I'm a father to two children, um, and. And I think, okay, so what do father, what fathers, what does that look like? Um, I, you know, I kind of thought, well, what do fathers provide? What did I need from my father? What do I need from my heavenly father? And I thought, well, fathers pro provide security. They provide love, instruction, they're patient, and they affirm. That's what John's demonstrating here. Um, and they have, so they have this sort of kind of variety of roles in that sense. And... It kind of made me think a little bit about this, how we have to kind of flip between these roles depending on the situation. So I'm going to pick on you, Mark, if that's okay. So I think about Mark. Mark's got you know, two lovely, two wonderful children. But if Mark is a dad, if, if, if Lily would say, well, Jacob and one of them had had a nightmare and they come in at the middle of the night and they jump into bed with me, all they need to know at that point, what they don't need is a teacher. 
they don't need somebody to teach them about, you know, kind of rapid eye movement and sleep and why we dream and da 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 da, da. They, they, don't, they don't need that. What they need is they just need to feel safe. Yeah. They just need to feel safe. But the very next day, Mark might be teaching more of them to ride a bike. <laughs> now they need a teacher. Yeah. So we've got these dual roles as fathers. You know, we, we, and, and you can only have those jobs. You need wisdom for that. You need wisdom for that. And you need some miles on the road at times. Um, so I came across this real cool thing as well, and I love this because um, I kind of love nature. And I think God, God speaks to us through nature at times because, you know, I think that, that nature tells us a lot about Him. You know, if, if you look at a piece of art, if you look, you know, that picture will perhaps give you an insight into the artist. And I think if we look at creation, it tells us something about what God's like. So I think he speaks to us through this all the time. So um, I kind of came across this thing about elephants in Botswana. Um, and, um, and this links to fathers. So the, there was this, this sort of kind of herd of elephants in Botswana. And because of the poaching, a lot of the older bull elephants had, had, had unfortunately been, been poached and they'd been killed. Um, so there was this herd of elephants and there was a lack of older bull elephants. And what they did was they took some bull elephants out of another herd and relocated them within this herd. Because what's happening is the male, particularly the male younger elephants, were kind of running right a little bit, attacking each other, attacking other animals and stuff like that. But they introduced these older elephants into this herd. And the behaviour of the young elephants changed. And I thought, isn't that amazing? But the older elephants, not only did the behaviour of the younger elephants change, but the older elephants also knew the paths to particular watering holes and uh, kind of grazing spots and stuff like that. And you think, if that can happen in nature, that's God's design. That, that, I think that, that's pretty incredible, really. So, as fathers, I'm not saying we eat a lot and get like elephants, but what I'm kind of, kind of sometimes I'll be nice and kind of suggest that to me. But what I'm kind of saying is, what I'm kind of saying is, that's what, that's the role of fathers. And there was a point where it was thought that older bull elephants, because sometimes they would kind of go off and spend time on their own, that they weren't really needed within the herd so much as well. And I think sometimes within the church, I think the fathers can sometimes perhaps feel that way. They're, you know, we're, you're needed. You're needed. I love the fact that Mike puts on the proclamations on WhatsApp, and it's really encouraging. And I think, Mike, that's you being a father to a, a group there. You know, it doesn't always have to look like something massive. It can be small little things like that. But I've taken encouragement out of those, Mike. And and I think you know, in a previous church I was in. Um, when we started off in this church, there was a, a group of kind of elders within the church um, that were there for around eight, ten years. And, and what, I, what I witnessed was, and what I observed was, that there was this huge drive to raise up the next generation. And, and that's right, and that needs to be done. But it doesn't need to be done at the expense of the older generation, I don't think. And what happened is, people that were really mature in their faith, they dwindled away because they weren't being used and they weren't, they weren't playing a part in anything and I thought it was really tragic um, because these people had so much to offer and they were needed, they were really needed. I think one of the other things as, as fathers as well that's really key is having an idea of what you're sowing and having an idea of legacy. Um, so I, um, 
going to go back to the sort of the kayaking story a little bit. So we had some great trips kayaking and then what I did was I kind of went out into the sea at one point and I took some photos of Isaac and I took a video of Abby as she kind of sort of kind of paddled past me and stuff like that. And the person that taught me to kayak 25 years ago um, was a guy named Mo um, and he lives in North Wales, not too far from where we were as well. Um, and I, I sent him, I sent him, I whatsapped him the video and a couple of the pictures and said, look at, look at Isaac and Abby kayaking. And he messaged me back and said, wow, look at that. Who'd have thought that when I taught you to kayak all those years ago, now here are your kids doing it. And you think that's something about fathers in it, that's a legacy. He had no idea 25 years ago when he was taking me out on the River Seven, that what he was sowing in me 25 years later, it's, 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 it's been sown into somebody else. I think we need a kind of good understanding of that as fathers, you know, it's, it's, it, it's far more than just here and now. And I think as fathers as well, one of the important things is as well, that we, we, um, we need to be secure enough in our own skin and humble enough and check our own hearts um, to sort of humble ourselves when we get it wrong. I think you know that's that's so important. I think that's just it, 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 it sort of kind of just conveys a message that you know we're not perfect, and there's a place to sort of say I've messed this up, I've got this wrong, and um, I think a perfect example of that. Where I was looking at, I was thinking about Graham got me thinking about this last week actually, um, when he talked about Paul, um, and he touched on Paul a little bit. Um, I'm just trying to find a bit in my notes. Yeah, so I looked at some of the language Paul sort of Paul uses in his letters, um, and he's saying things like, "I long to be with you, I pray for you, I bear you in my mind, I thank God for you, I make make mention of you in my prayers, I long to be with you." So you can see that Paul is. He's really sort of father, he's a father at this stage, he's really father, he desires to be with people, he wants to be with them. Um, but that wasn't always the case with Paul. If you think about when Paul was Saul, there's an account in Acts where, um, have I been going a really long time? <laughs> have I, I gone over? Two minutes. Okay. It'll, yeah, okay. So, um, there's an account in Acts where... Um, there's an account in Acts where if you think when Paul saw, and, and when Stephen stoned, it says, and Paul, Paul gave his approval. So at this stage, he's he's giving, he's affirming something that isn't good. Isn't good. And that's why it's so important that one, we kind of put ourselves under the right fathers. But look at what God's God did in Paul's heart. Look at what he, he, he took him from somebody that was affirming the death of the death of Stephen and, and turned him into this father that longed to be with people, that held people in their prayers, that just wanted to be with them, wanted to nurture them. Yeah, so, okay, I'll try and conclude. Um, so, yeah, this passage, it's referring to these three stages of the Christian journey. Um, and we're all part of this over, or we're all part of this sort of kind of larger family belonging to God. And one of the things, one thing I just wanted to sort of kind of conclude with as well, no matter where we are on that journey, one of the things that I think we need to be really mindful of is that 
on this journey, there's also an enemy, and he hates our position. He hates our position of relationship because all of this is talking about relationship. And he hates it because he can't have it. And I think that the primary place that spiritual attacks often happen is that place of sonship or, or our identity in that area. Um, it's what he did in the garden. The first thing he attacked was, he, was the relationship between Adam and Eve and God. And I think sometimes we live our lives not fully understanding that, but that's why we need each other. That's why I know I need a father. That it, it does remind me of these things like John's reminded me. Um, I'm really not beginning up here, but I'm going to refer to Graham. It's not because he's the pastor or anything else like that. But two weeks ago, I was just having a tough time. I was having, I'd been ill for a week. I was down in the dumps. I was fed up with COVID lockdown. Um, and, and we went to the pub and had a pint together. And he just reminded me of some things <laughs> that I really needed to hear. It's truths that I knew, it's stuff that I knew already. But in the battle, in the, in the kind of, you know, the, the stuff that we kind of, Satan sort of kind of drops in about, you really think you're a son, you really think you're a father, you really think you're this, you really think you're that, you know. That's the stuff that we get, we have to be mindful of. He reminded me of what, what I really am, who I really am, some truths, which, which is, we, and yeah, I just think we just, we just need each other relationally. <laughs> um, nearly there, Graham. Yeah, so just let's be diligent in that. I want to encourage people to think about where you are in that journey. It's not a these are not destinations, like I said. Sometimes I can feel really strong in certain things, and other times I can still feel that, that little child. Uh, but I want to encourage us as a group as well. Um, so as this is talked about sort of family in one sense, and, and, and sort of kind of different stages of the Christian journey, I think right now is a really difficult time in this COVID, but where we can, let's stay connected. I think the WhatsApp group's great, um, but the other day, the best thing I did was have a pint with Graham. Earlier in the week, I went for a, a walk with Mark and a couple of the guys, and it was wet and damp and cold and muddy, and we went walking through fields with head torches on, but it was great. It was great. It just fed my soul. I just needed it. So I just want to encourage us to sort of kind of think about, you know, where we are on that, where we are in our journey, um, and let's connect with each other. Let's really encourage each other. Let's father each other. Let's, if you need fathering on something, seek somebody out. Let's not, you know, let's not become fearful of doing that. And um, I'm going to be quiet now and end there. <laughs>